You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another award-winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young, and we are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan, and Kenny Smith from New South Partners. Now, you probably recognize the name Kenny Smith here in Charlotte. Uh, he sat on city council for four years, even ran for mayor. Uh, he is often called by radio and TV uh, for election commentary and remains a familiar face and voice on social media. But really, politics aside, Smith has uh, a really built a solid roots here in a biz- as a business, but also as a commercial real estate broker for New South Properties, where he has more than 200 transactions since 2011. And if you just look at our skyline, if you look at the city, it's blowing up. So we're really excited to hear about that. But uh, he is not a stranger to the microphone. So I don't think we're going to have any problem here with Kenny on the uh, on the Brand Butters podcast. But thank you so much. And welcome to our new Brand Butters studio. Excited to be here. Hey, Kenny, thank quick, you for being here. Quick question. Do you know what the city bird is? Oh, man. No, I don't. I've only been here nine years. I should Google. The oh crane. My God. The crane? Oh, <laughs> hey. Heating crane. But they're they're friends. Friends. Oh, look at you, dude. God, yeah. they're, bring, they're bringing it hard. Love it. Early. So it must, it's a bluebird. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's, you know what? That, uh, we were at the Knights game, yeah. and you just look up, and it's amazing. I mean, it's they're amazing what, um, the, what our city's doing. It's crazy. They were not here for... Probably four years, and it was a tough four years if you were in anything related to uh, real estate, whether it's building, you know, subs, generals, and what we do. So I remember in 2008, 2007-ish, there were 16 cranes. I remember counting them. Then they all went away. Disappeared. And now they're back. Now they're That's back. That's cool. To your point. Yeah. Well, thank you for the intro, Brian, and Kenny, thank you for being here. This is awesome. Uh Tell us about your work in the commercial real estate space, and what does that include, and where do you specialize? So I am a commercial real estate broker for New South Properties. I have been in the business now since uh, mid-05. It's funny. I was uh, working for a great old company, uh, Charlotte Pipe and Foundry. I was a traveling kind of a sales guy. I was about to get married, and I'm like, why well, I'm on the road almost 40 weeks out of the year. I said, all my friends are in real estate. They seem to be doing well. Let's do it. Get in in the bottom fall. Great <laughs> <laughs> time. Yeah, bottom falls out. Uh, but I am at uh, New South Properties, been there since August of 11. I partner with Holly Alexander. Uh, I would say 70% of our business is in the office arena, both landlord and tenant rep work. And then the remaining 30% is sort of sprinkled with a little bit of industrial and a little bit of land. And um, we help tenants find new new spaces. Uh, We'll help them relocate. We help them negotiate renewals. Uh, We help mainly non-institutional owners lease space. We don't do the, um, we're not into the field where we're leasing 200,000 square foot buildings. We're more buildings such as the one you guys are in here and mostly local owners and uh, keeps us busy. I love it. Being on the commercial side, it's got to be pretty fascinating because you almost know what's happening before it happens. Like we're waiting for the cranes to show up. We're like, oh my gosh, here it is. You you do. But I mean, I knew a whole lot more when I was on city council. I I mean, it's like you'd see people would always say, oh God, man, you must have gotten tons of business. You you didn't get a ton of business, but you knew everything with the rezoning process. You knew everything that was happening in the city. That's the one thing I miss of council. Those meetings were brutal and they're long. But the process was for a real estate guy was just fascinating. 
And I, I'm, I want to jump into that real quick. What made you, and I, we're going to talk more about the, the real estate side of it, but just to jump into the political side of it, what made you say, hey, I want to, I want to be on, uh, on the city council? So, I, you know, I always jokingly say it when I was younger, I wasn't very good at sports, but I was good at getting elected. <laughs> and, so, and so I wasn't going to have a uh, professional sports career, but I, I've always, I grew up in a political family. Um, we would sit around the table, mom and dad and my brothers, and we would talk Tar Heel sports, uh, thanks for this awesome blue Dunson Group hat. Um, and we would talk politics, whatever the issues of the day, day were. And so I remember, I vividly remember as a little boy, this was back when Charles Small Reagan came through in the 84 election. Jesse Helms had a tough Senate battle. Uh, he, Reagan was going to win North Carolina, but Helms needed some help. So he came and went over to the old Park Hotel. And in 1984, Charlotte's maybe 250,000 people. Maybe, maybe they might have gotten close to 300 then, but I mean, that's the size of Greensboro. And I remember, I mean, having the president of the United States come to Charlotte, now it's like they're all coming, right? Back then, that didn't happen. And, um, you know, it just sparked my interest. And it just made me say, you know, at some point in life, I want to make a run. Politics is about when opportunity and timing intersect. Uh, you may have the time, but maybe there's not an available seat uh, for whatever office you choose to run for. Um, Andy Doolin, who was my predecessor, Decided he was not going to run in uh, early 2013, and I began making phone calls the next day. Knew I wanted to do it, and then, uh, you know, won. So it was fun. How in the world do you juggle <laughs> having a family, having a job, yeah, and then really having like a completely other job? So it's like this is what I always say: political spouses. And you you want to be like this? I don't buy all the PC stuff that goes on in today's world, um, but it. it you have women that serve, obviously, as well. A political spouse ends up picking up a lot of the slack. And so you're out for city council. You're out every Monday night uh, from, you know, for a minimum three, four hours. And then you're out during the week with some events, uh, usually like neighborhood meetings type stuff, where as a district rep, you're going out talking to folks or, or rezoning meetings where folks are in the neighborhood and they're having a meeting with a developer. So my wife, Bridget, would pick up a lot of that slack, but you're, 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 you just, it needs a lot of discipline. Real estate is flexible. And so you can bend and shift your schedule. Some it's not as hardwired as, you know, folks that may be doing on the trading desk at the banks or something like that, or a CPA or whatever, um, or maybe you're, maybe what you guys do. Um, and so that flexibility allows you to sort of meld your schedule. Um, but it, it takes a support network and we had, incredible staff at the city, full-time staff that kind of did help you do research and do all the stuff. And, you know, it's funny. I was telling somebody the other day, I said, I think I was even better at my day job when I didn't have any free time. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. Not, you're not surfing Drudge Report inside Carolina and stuff. It's like, you know what? I've got to get X done by 1130 because I've got to head uptown for Y, you know? What Do you foresee yourself doing any more political? Man, yeah, I'd like offices. to. Um, it was, uh, I love, I love serving. I love politics. I love, um, I mean, there's nothing more exciting than campaigning. And it's funny. I mean, most politicians hate campaigning. I love campaigning. I mean, I could go 24 seven and, um, it, it's just, I'm an extrovert. And so going out and meeting people, hearing what their issues are for whatever, whatever the office is. So, I mean, issues will vary, obviously, whether it's federal, state or local, um, but hearing what their concerns are and how, if you're elected or when you're elected, what you can do to address them, to me, it's is kind of a rush. And it's just, it's one of those things that's public service is, uh, it's not for everybody. 
it takes a toll. One thing that when you say juggle, I mean, service on council probably didn't cost me money per se. Uh, running for mayor cost me money. I mean, I didn't work for, if my bosses are tuned into your podcast, I think they know that by my commission checks. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, for about eight months, my only focus was running for office. And when you're in a business like I'm in, where you have transaction cycle times four to eight to nine months, you take eight months off. I mean, you're starting back at zero. So, I mean, I probably had an 18-month period where I did take a little bit of hit in the in the wallet. Do you um, – first off, thank you for for serving. I think everybody that gets into the, into politics, um, they deserve a handshake and they deserve a lot more respect than people give them. I think uh, yeah, I agree you're, with that. you're absolutely um, – you know, sacrificing your time with your family for the betterment of a community. And a lot of people don't look at that. Uh, they just mm -hmm. agree or don't agree. Um, but this question is just about politics as a whole. One of the things that Scott and I have realized by having this podcast is it's opened up our eyes to have conversations with people that are different than us. Oh, yeah. And I think the number one thing that is is cool about that is is conversation, mm -hmm. right? It's It starts with having a conversation with somebody that's different than you and then understanding and coming together and realizing that you're probably not as different as you think. Uh, yeah, totally. But what do you think the biggest challenge is for the city of Charlotte to come together as a whole and stop this, you're right, you're wrong, I'm right, I'm left, and just come together and realize that we have a lot more in common. And if we all work together, we can make Charlotte even better than it already is. You know, I used to tell people the funny thing about city work, uh, the city, and this is a little different based on sort of their area of responsibility. But the, the city is, I mean, in real estate terms, it's a property management firm. I mean, they are water, sewer, they are roads, they are, you know, the light, the light rail, uh, public safety is huge, huge portion, but 85 to 90 percent of the stuff we did on council was 11 a vote. It was bipartisan. I mean, there weren't many Republicans on there, but it was bipartisan, and it was uh, pretty easy work. It's the 10 percent that makes the front page of the Observer that is, I won't say messy, but it's where you would have some of your your divides. And interesting, we would have divides all the time where Ed and I, the other Republican when I was on there. We sometimes were kind of swing votes because the Democrats couldn't agree with each other. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I, and you, you said something in that question that I, I wanted to touch on, uh, too, is that it was eye-opening to serve. I served uh, for four years, had some great friends. And one of the things that serving these people, it did change my perspective. I realized that I'd come in with a certain life experience that led me to a certain set of beliefs. I didn't change those beliefs, per se, but sitting down and forming friendships with people that had dramatically different life experiences also helped me at least say, okay, if you're going to be good at this, you at least have to understand. You don't have to agree with the person. You got to understand how they're formulating their thoughts. Why are they formulating those thoughts? And so for me, it was a lot of fun. I mean, look, Michael Barnes and I uh, had a strong friendship. David Howard and I had a good friendship. Uh, but Michael Barnes and I, we had some really interesting conversations on, say, topics of race, ones that folks don't necessarily want to have and, and perspectives that, um, and it was interesting. And so, but that would not have happened if he and I didn't develop a friendship and a level of trust. And we could talk about how policies may be impacting or how different groups view them differently. And it was helpful, uh, again, as you're going through your decision-making process. And look, I'm in sales for better part, and we do a lot of negotiations. And I always try to tell my clients, like, look, you don't have to agree with the other side, but it's critical we know why they're asking the questions they're asking. You can say no, but that's how we're, gonna, we're not going to get this deal done 
if we don't understand the why portion. That's like, that's pretty good. Excuse me. That's good information. And I think a lot of people don't understand the inside aspect of politics. You, you see, you know, in Congress and in certain situations where it's just people are, are in front of a microphone and they're completely disagreeing with things. But it's like, what goes on behind the scenes? And, and maybe give us some, a little insight into it, that. On city council, it was, and it's so funny. You look at the congressional stuff, and I know, again, you talk about when I was a kid, the Reagan, the, back then it was collegial. And I mean, you'd get in front of a microphone, then they all go out to whatever the tavern was and, you know, hoot, hoot and holler and have a good build time. Build relationships. Yeah, build relationships. That's a good deal. They don't do that anymore. So, they don't. Uh, it, it is, the uniform now is big. And I mean, we have, and part of it is you look at the admin of the media, social media, guys on Twitter today, and I'm like, do, do we need a seven second delay to say hell? <laughs> like, yeah. why the heck am I on here? Yeah. I mean, it's like nobody is saying anything. Good, and it doesn't matter what it is. It's just a place for people to go be really yeah, mean and bitch yeah. and complain. Um, but so on council, for example, you it's a little different because it's not quite as hyper-partisan. And an instant, I remember during the bathroom debate, we're sitting there and I mean, guy, that, that was just a circus. And I'm sitting next to LaHanna Mayfield, who's African-American and LGBT. And um, and she leans over and she's like, hey, do you think I'm part of some radical agenda? I said, no, not really. And she goes, I go, do you think I'm a bigot? She goes, no, not really. We gave each other a fist bump, but then we started arguing. We were on different sides uh, of that issue. Now, I can't speak to since I've left and some of the crazier things LaWanna has subsequently gone into. But when I sat next to her, we, we had a good relationship. Uh, we agreed sometimes. We didn't agree all the time. And we were able to... Take what our life experience, you know, talking about life experience, and try to try to figure it out. And and there were times. My goal is when I was up there was to never demean. And, and there's one time I did, but try to never make it personal. I always tried to make it about whatever issue we're discussing. And for the most part, I think my colleagues respected that, and they knew. And you'd every once in a while you get a little bit of an eye roll, but I'm like, look, I represent a constituency, and this has to be has to be said. Um, but, you know, they I, they knew that I was not trying to make them look foolish in my argument to say why I did did what I did. Now, when I campaigned for mayor, it's a little different. I probably went after Jennifer Roberts pretty hard, but I did this. <laughs> I, I disagreed with her a lot. Um, but that's the goal, and you found there's respect. And, and that, you know, and I think I had the respect of my colleagues, and um, I mean, four of them told me they voted for me for mayor. And I think might have been five. Um, but I mean, four Democrats I served with said they voted for me. That's huge, in my opinion. That's all right, man. So early on, you voted against. I, I do want to know about this. You voted against <laughs> uh, uh, some financial incentives for corporations yeah. to come to Charlotte, and then later you you sort of changed your mind. What happened there? So the um, my general philosophy has always been: I'm not a fan of incentives. Um, and I talked about this other night on well, I was doing some some uh, a show and. It's easy to, you know, kind of say, pound your table and say, ah, the Panthers, we're not giving you down, but then you got to take the vote and you don't want to be the guy that made, loses them. Um, but generally, there is a cost, in my opinion, that is borne by the middle class taxpayer when we give somebody incentives. And when the city gives incentives, it's a form of a, it's a, form of a d rebate on their taxes, for example, but you still have all these other services that go along. So like... The need for roads, water, sewer, police, all that stuff doesn't go away. Um, I voted for two incentive packages late in my 
term, and it was two local companies that stuck with us, frankly, through HB2. It was, I believe, Lending Tree and maybe Snyder's Lance. And they had, they had the ability at that time to leave Charlotte, relocate businesses. And I felt like if they were, they were, they stuck with us through the HB2 stuff. To me, I was like, I'm going to sort of break with my, my philosophy here and say, I'm okay with these two, two incentives, and especially like Lending Tree, for example. I mean, they could have gone, who doesn't want a tech company that's been, Really successful, and so for and they were homegrown. And my, and part of my other issue with incentives has been you're giving funding to somebody that's coming into the market, and you have people again like Lending Tree that have been here. And I'm I'm let you get to. I know you got another question, but dimensional funding. I voted against the incentive. I, they were going to compete. They were going to take jobs from people at Wells Bank. Like they were going to compete with some of our biggest benefactors of the city. I didn't want to give them money to come here. Now, what we could do is there are new offices in South End. We can make their rezoning go as smoothly and as easily as possible. So my view was, I'm going to help you on the real estate side of this, but I can't vote for you for the, um, for the incentive. That makes sense. Thanks for, yeah. thanks for answering that. And I, it's, it's fascinating with, um, with incentives. And you, you look at South Carolina, Fort Mill, Rock Hill. I mean, it's like they, mm-hmm. they want to throw everything. 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 They want everything. They just got our Panthers. Yeah, gosh, <laughs> calm, simmer down down there. <laughs> we like you, but we don't one like team, that two much. states. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Carolina. So, so you've uh, to kind of jump back into into Charlotte. Um, you just, I guess, you grew up in, in here in South Park. Is that right? Oh yeah, yeah. So you've you're a dinosaur. There's not many of you here no. in Charlotte. Um, you've obviously seen it grow from from very small to now a, a really prosperous city that I think has a lot of opportunity. Where do you see this city going? Um, from just from a cultural standpoint, from a creative standpoint, from you know diversifying, from not being just about banks. I mean, you see manufacturing oh, yeah. coming in here. It's 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 fascinating to it, see what the city's it, doing. It, it is incredible. Um, it's funny when you talk about. I mean, I can remember when there was. No, I can remember when you. I live a. I lived about a half mile. It's a crow flies from South Park. I can remember driving to Eastland to shop. Wow. Because Eastland was nicer than South Park. I know the Simons people don't want to hear that, but eighty one, eighty two, eighty three. That was the case. Now, we would walk up to the arcade and play a little Moon Patrol in the, <laughs> the Sears Arcade. Um, Charlotte has gone – I mean, it's incredible. And it, 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 we had visionary leaders. And so if you look at sort of a – kind of like a, a stool, we had the corporate community. We had kind of the philanthropic and we had government. And they worked hand in hand to really move Charlotte forward. And most of it was driven by the banks, no question. And the airport. Jerry Ward doesn't get nearly enough credit getting people to and from Charlotte allowed the banks to grow, which allowed everybody else to grow. Um, our economy has diversified. I remember seeing Hugh McCall speak, and he said we were one bank merger. This was before, like, bank possible implosion. But he's like, we were one bank merger away from being a mill town. Um, and his point was we were too invested in the banks. And we're beyond that. And I think we do have an incredibly diverse economy. American Airlines is a huge employer here. Uh, Walmart, ironically, is a huge employer here. The healthcare systems are huge employers here. Um I mean, you know, the law firms that do ancillary work for all these people are being employers. Energy. I mean, energy. Duke Energy. Yeah, so we still have we have a lot of these employers. But you look at the growth Charlotte's had, and I, I, I told you off air that I'm going to my nephew's wedding this week, and I think he's 27 years old. And I mean, he, has seen, he did not see the Charlotte that I saw, right? So his life has seen sort of the Charlotte you were just referencing. He's going to see that much more growth in, in his life. 
I mean, if you think about it, we're gonna we're adding, I think, 65, 70 people a day. We're gonna add another four hundred thousand people by twenty forty. That's wow. the size of Cleveland. That's the size it of Raleigh. It might be all of Cleveland. It might Seems be like all of Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. 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 they're all well, coming yeah. down. in <laughs> Pittsburgh, right? Right. Th- 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 that's that many people coming here. So I am interested to in see what the next phase is. I think um, you you look at when I was a kid, there was nowhere to go out to dinner. There was, I mean, all the stuff to do, the arts, all this. You didn't have it. And we, we have most of it now. Probably don't have all of it. Like my wife is from St. Louis, which is kind of a flat city. But they have more green space than we have because you had old line industrialists that years ago gave 800 acres, whatever, here and there to do stuff. They've probably got a stronger arts community than, than we have. But I think older line cities um, probably have that. Um, but I think our economy will continue to diversify. I think we're going to we're adding the people. Um, I think my hope is we take some lessons from Atlanta and are able to not have some of the negative side of the growth we're growing and I used to tell people during rezoning it's like look if, if it's not built here it's gonna be built there so i mean like you're not escaping it you don't add four hundred thousand people and not give them a place to work live eat you know recreate go out and and shop um and i think we'll continue to transform i mean charlotte used to be a transportation hub and that's how we've sort of got our start you know 100 100 plus years ago um so yeah I'm from, excited. In your opinion, from your commercial real estate background and your political background, what is our biggest challenge as a city and maybe even county? Here, I think our, I think our, we have a couple challenges. I think our biggest challenge is we were a suburban city. So, I mean, we were not built. Again, I'm going to reference St. Louis. And, and we're, we don't have a grid. So you look at large cities that have sort of had some sort of mass in the population it was easier to get people around. And our road network wasn't based on South, for example, South Park, my old district. It wasn't based on becoming what it is today. I mean, we are rapidly urbanizing. So figuring out those transportation needs and how to get people around, I think is huge. Now, when you look at it, what the city planners want to do, and I think this is fair, doesn't always work, but they're trying to create pockets and their goal is if they can shorten trips. So, for example, we we approved a Harris Teeter at Providence and Fairview. Some of the people are they're like, I don't know if I want it. I'm like, all right, where do you shop? And they're like, well, I go to Morrison, you know, Tosman Teeter. I go to Cotswold. I'm like, now you're going to be able to go here. So that what that does, though, is that person causes traffic over here. So the traffic here is going to increase, but you're just sort of rerouting. And so the city's trying to figure out ways to make those connections closer so maybe you don't have to go as far, which gives relief, relief somewhere else. Um, I think the uh, ultimate. I think eventually we're going to have problems or challenge with schools. I think we're going to have a challenge with our our tax rate. Um, and it's funny. I saw something today, and then they're sort of talking about how Republicans have a hard time winning here. But go to Union County, York County, Democrats don't win, right? Like a lot of the middle class, Republican middle class, has fled to the so surrounding. Really? Yeah, and and the reason. The reason they leave is they say, what am I paying in taxes? What am I getting in return? I think the biggest return for most people is school options. And that's, that's mine. We bought our house based before we had kids based on where, where our school is going to be. And if they blow that up, I reevaluate my bills. And I'm, I'm not going to send three kids to private school. So if all of a sudden my educational opportunities go into the toilet, then 
I'm going to be in York County, right? And mm-hmm. so I think that balance is going to be important. And tr- we're spending a lot of time on affordable housing, a lot of these other issues, which are important. Dude, don't, don't get me wrong. But the reality is, I, I'm afraid that they're going to, as we've sort of morphed into almost one party rule, we're going to morph away from taking care of the wedge and some of the needs that, I mean, frankly, maybe the more fluent area of town has is we're trying to address some of these issues like economic mobility. And it's a balance. Like you can't, you can't put all your eggs in, in one basket because eventually then you lose this basket and it goes. So I have a, a new a new son and education is a big thing. And, and that was one of the hardest decisions when trying to find a home because we knew we were going to have our son. And um, there were a lot of great homes that we wanted to choose. But like the, the rated school is like one out of 10, two out of 10. Um, one thing that I've read a lot on and is it, it's about taking uh, control and, and creating action on making your schools better. Mm-hmm. Uh, being in the district, being a present or being a, a, a parent that is present volunteering um, on boards, whatever, like what, what can we do in Charlotte to not only kind of elevate education, but like from a grassroots effort, if your son or daughter are going to this school, how can we work to make that better? Because that, I think, I mean, bottom line, now that I'm a father, you have, school is so important. Like we must raise a smart like generation of children. Like that is, if we don't do that, then what are we doing? So, so like, that's a great question. So we do... I've my three kids, two are at Cell, one and one's at Behringer. It's a magnet school, Title One school, and it is over off West Boulevard. And it is eighty-one um, percent non-white. Has a magnet program that is a good fit for my son. We want to stay committed to public schools, so we sent him there for needs that could have been met at said private. And not not going to get a private school. Just this is just what worked worked for our family. Well, the Cell and PTA. I mean, we routinely raise, you know. Two quarters of a million dollars, two hundred fifty thousand dollars from a couple fundraisers. The PTA budget over at Behringer is like seventeen grand. Wow, that's tough. Yeah. Now you look at some of these emerging neighborhoods, uh, Chantilly, uh, some of the Plaza Midwood areas, and some of these stu- schools that may. I think Shamrock Gardens is elementary school. Uh, uh, you have um, Rainbow Road Elementary, uh, Stonehaven, great neighborhood in, in District Six, and parents. A lot of parents there send their kids to private school, not knocking that choice but if all those people stay you can lift those schools up and you can start to make make the transition the problem is is that a lot of people they don't want to be the proverbial guinea pigs their child right um, but i know i think it's shamrock that i'm hearing really good things about and hearing that they're they're a group of parents that say we want to do public school we value the diversity we value everything that public school has to offer and they're making a big push to stay within that school um, you have somebody in politics on here. I know this isn't a political show, but my favorite is always you get the proverbial, I'm not doing enough for public schools or, you know. Takes you, us all, right? Yeah, but it's but it's like you're, you're busing, like you oppose busing. Well, I'm like, well, you're sending your kid to private school and you're telling me what I'm not doing, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> that always gets under my skin. It's like you don't even want to participate in the system, but you're complaining and throwing stones at people that are saying whatever the whether it's the it's always the school districting is what brings it up and it's like who are you to say say and it just drives me crazy yeah. I, again I don't I've got friends I don't should. care where you go to school right. I've got friends of mine who go to private school great and we have really really good private schools here you do what you think is the best interest 
in your family and your, and your child, but don't, I mean, don't complain. I'm saying, about, don't complain. Yeah. Right, I'm sending my right. kid to a title one school. So don't come to me and say, it's just a bunch of rich people complaining. Their, their kids can't now go to another public school. I agree. I, I grew up in Atlanta and I grew up in public school systems from the beginning to the end. And one of the coolest programs I had in Atlanta was a minority to majority program where they would bus in minorities mm-hmm. from some of the worst parts in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. It changed everything about who I am. And I had a lot of good friends. And I just think that diversity made you understand that people don't come from the same the same background. But it's it, it elevated our school. I mean, it elevated a lot of things, but it elevated our school. And I just think that's a really cool program. So we're committed to keeping our son in the public school system. I'm going to take the advice that you've given me and, and really try to, to elevate and help and, and get involved. And I think that's just number one step. And one last thing, and we move on. But so AG's got some land next to it. And I know that the big, in my neck of the woods, the big, they've, Sedgefield, Dilworth, AG, you had some sort of reshuffling. And parents' concern is always taking a kid out of an excelling school and send them to a failing school. I'm sitting there going, Sedgefield's, they don't have enough people there. They have some issues. You have landed AG. The AG parents would welcome building on that and bringing kids over because you're not uprooting them from the perception of the school that is that's doing well. The perception is you're taking my kid and send him to a failing school, and then we got to build it up. But anyway, well, we live in a society where it's everybody else's problem, yeah, right? You know, a lot I mean, of blame that gets placed. Oh, you know, nobody wants to do anything. I've been on multiple boards, multiple volunteers. We have a lot of consumers, yeah. right? It's easy to bark from your computer, uh, but nobody really wants to create any Twitter so. about it. Oh, god, I love Twitter. Yes. Just, just yeah. a, such a just makes you feel good about life when you get on Twitter. Throwing stones when you live in a glass house. I'm Ooh. curious. We we'll wrap this up here shortly, but. What is the coolest real estate project you're working on right now? And what do you want people to know about uh, with what you have going on? Oh, God, we've got um, we've got a lot going on. Um, the coolest thing we're working on right now, we just had a couple good things come to fruition. Uh, we just did a tenant rep deal for a group called B&I, who we helped relocate. They're a networking company, and we helped them relocate from California a few years ago. That's exciting. I think the coolest deal we've done, and that may be a better way to say it. We helped uh, Terracon, their environmental consulting firm. Uh, they're over off 85. And we took an old warehouse and negotiated a deal in which the warehouse was completely upfitted for office. And it's a case study on NewSouthProperties.com. But it is a fascinating, um, it, was a, it was fascinating. I mean, there were so, so many different things we had to work on to get this deal across the goal line. And this was a, we took them from 15,000 square feet to 30,000 square feet. We took them from flex space into totally rehabbed office space. And that was, that deal was just, that was a lot of fun. Uh, we've got a couple bu- buildings we're selling right now that are exciting. We've got something over on Parkside Drive that's uh, a neat, fun building. But it's, I mean, the fun thing about real estate is every deal is different. We've got a property on Riverwalk. Okay, this is exciting. All right. So you're looking at where the Panthers may go, and we're, we've got a great listing down at Riverwalk off Cherry Road in Rock Hill. And somewhere not too far from there is probably where where the Panthers land their headquarters. And so we'll see probably that corridor go to a major revitalization. Yeah, so that's exciting. That is exciting. That's so cool. Well, dude, we appreciate you coming on here. Before we let you go, I want to tell you a funny story. Um, before the NBA All-Star Game uh, came in here, I had a, a marketing company reach out to me, and they wanted me to do branded basketballs for Kenny Smith. 
And so I said, oh, yeah, Kenny Smith. I know who that is. Uh, Kenny Smith from Charlotte. So I did the entire project. They're like, yeah, he's from UNC. We'd really like to see if we could get a Tar Heel Blue. And I'm like, oh, yeah, absolutely. This is fantastic. Telling Scott that we're working with Kenny Smith. Well, little did I know uh, that once the basketballs arrived, it was actually Kenny Smith from TNT. The Jet. The, uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, didn't even put that together. Yeah. Clearly, I'm an avid NBA follower. But um, congratulations on your event that you did not host. I ended up uh, asking yeah. this Kenny. I was like, man, did we do some basketball? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to be your time, but I, during NBA All-Star Weekend, somebody tweeted a local reporter copying me with Shaq and all these other people. <laughs> and I'm like, and I just retweeted, I'm like, my life is like, I am in a tweet with Shaq. And I was like, but I'm not that guy. I'm not that Kenny Smith. That is awesome. Well, Kenny, uh, thank you uh, so much for uh, for coming on. Before yeah. we let you go, what is the best way for people to reach out to you if they are interested in learning more about New South Partners or uh, if they just want to talk to you about politics? Man, any, uh, you can call me at work, 704-927-2882. Email ksmith at newsouthprop.com. And we, I mean, I love talking real estate, love talking politics. I love coming in and doing stuff like this. I mean, it's tons of fun. I love to talk. So. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. The perfect politician. Yeah, right here. Yeah. No, well, thank you, man. Yeah. We really appreciate you joining us. I thank you all for having me. I was nervous. I'm not going to lie. I was a little nervous. I'm like, what? How am, what look, I know I can talk, but I'm like, how am I going to add value to a branding type theme? And I'm like, you know. You guys it's are your pro- brand. You're pros. And but you you know how to draw it out of us. That's how that's how it works. <laughs> Can I say one more thing? Yeah, please. Yeah. So absolutely. when you're asking about something cool we did, here's something really cool we did. We're members of crew. This commercial real estate woman, my business partner woman. We got the Dunstan Group to make us branded Yetis to give out as gifts. Boom. There we Boom. go. <laughs> Thank you for I'm that. picking up on how to do this. <laughs> <laughs> well, we Thank love you. that. We love the show. I appreciate that, man. Well, everyone, if you are listening to this podcast, uh, we would be so grateful if you can like and share this on all your social media channels. Uh, we appreciate you. Uh, we appreciate all of our listeners, and we hope you have a blessed day. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.